Let us pray. Almighty God, send your Holy Spirit upon us that our minds and our hearts might be open to the word you have for us through Holy Scripture. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. morning again. I seem to be doing more than I should be this morning. Uh, the uh, Old Testament reading is Genesis 32, uh, chapters 22 to 32. The same night he got up and took his two wives, his two maids, and his 11 children and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and likewise everything that he had. Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he struck him on the hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go, for the day is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then the man said, you shall no longer be called Jacob but Israel, for you have striven with God and with humans and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the place Peniel, or Peniel saying, I have seen God face to face and yet my life is preserved. The sun rose upon him and he passed Peniel limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the Israelites do not eat the thigh muscle that is on the hip socket, because he struck Jacob on the hip socket at the thigh muscle. The responsive reading, or psalm, is Psalm 121. Uh, I'll stand. I lift up my eyes to the hills from where will my help come. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. He who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time on and forevermore. The epistle is 2 Timothy, which is not, by the way, uh, written in the bulletin, uh, verses, uh, or chapters 3 verse 14 to 4, verse 5. But as for you, continue in the truths that you were taught and firmly believe. You know who your teachers were, and you remember that ever since you were a child, you have known the Holy Scriptures, 
which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching the truth, rebuking error, correcting faults, and giving instruction for right living, so that the person who serves God may be fully qualified and equipped to do every kind of good deed. In the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead, and because he is coming to rule as king, I solemnly urge you to preach the message, to insist upon proclaiming it, whether the time is right or not, to convince, reproach, and encourage, as you teach with all patience. The time will come when people will not listen to sound doctrine, but will follow their own desires and will collect for themselves more and more teachers who will tell them what they are itching to hear. They will turn away from listening to the truth and give their attention to legends, but you must keep control of yourself in all circumstances. Endure suffering, do the work of a preacher of the good news, and perform your whole duty as a servant of God. Thanks be to God, the word of the Lord. Reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and regarded others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, was praying thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, thieves, rogues, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all my income. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even look up to heaven, but was beating his breast and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his home justified rather than the other. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all who humble themselves will be exalted. <coughs> the Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good to be back with you in this great sanctuary. Always happy to worship with St. Andrews in this place. Dear friends, this morning from the Hebrew Bible, we have uh, one of the great stories in the life 
of Jacob. Many of us remember the story from Sunday school days about a wrestling match between Jacob and an angel of the Lord. The wrestling match, this text, is the climax of Jacob's life. This is the critical event that makes all the difference in his life. This particular night, it was, it was evening, it was in the dark that all this happened. This particular night, Jacob was beset by troubles. He's returning to Canaan, his home, his home country, after a long exile. There he will have to meet his brother Esau, who has vowed to kill him. And Esau, we recall, was a big, hairy brute of a man. Jacob scared to death of him, with good reason, because he has cheated his brother out of everything he had. That's why he left Canaan in the first place. Remember, he had cheated Esau out of his rightful inheritance, and uh, Esau vowed to kill him, and uh, Jacob's mother said, you've got to leave. So she packed up a lunch for him and sent him back to her home country in Haran, which was uh, uh, in the area that we now call Iraq. So a long way from home. So he's been living there a long time, uh, but he has to go home because he has now cheated his father-in-law out of thousands of sheep and goats. And his wife, Rachel, has stolen the gold and silver gods out of her father's house. Uh, Jacob and Rachel are sort of like Bonnie and Clyde <laughs> without the submachine guns. Anyway, he's caught between the brother he's cheated and the father-in-law he's cheated. And he has to go home. So Jacob sends his two wives and his two maids, his 11 children and all his servants and flocks and uh, tents and paraphernalia across the brook, Jabbok. And he spends the night alone camping out, like he did on the way down to Haran. You remember he camped out alone, and that night he had the dream about the ladder, Jacob's ladder. Well, he's there again camping out alone on the way back. But this night, there's no beautiful dream. This is more like a nightmare. A man, a stranger, shows up 
And Jacob wrestles with this man from dusk to daybreak. The stranger turns out to be a messenger of God, an angel, a representative of God. Whatever we call him, this wrestler is struggling on behalf of God Almighty against Jacob. This fits in with the biblical notion that our real opponent in life is not the one we call our enemy, but rather Almighty God. The Bible says God is the one with whom we have to do. Jacob's real opponent is not Esau, his brother, or Laban, his father-in-law, but the stranger who meets him by the brook Jabbok. Throughout the Old Testament, the people of God, their real opponent was never the Philistines or the Babylonians, but the Lord God of Israel. For God said, I have a grievance against my people, Israel. Remember in the New Testament, Jesus on the cross did not talk about the Roman soldiers. He did not say, why are you treating me this way? Rather, Jesus said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? On the cross, it was God with whom Jesus had to do. Whatever our own individual struggle might be, our real opponent in life is not that tyrant at work, our supervisor, or not our children, not our parents, not our siblings, not our in-laws, or even those in the congregation with whom we disagree, as annoying as they may be. Our worthy opponent is really the stranger by the brook. We are all wrestling with God because we are all like Jacob. We are all sinners. We may not have stolen sheep or goats. We may not have stolen the family silver like Rachel did. But we all, like sheep, have gone astray. We have all done those things we ought not to have done, and we have failed to do those things we ought to have done. And that's what's behind the wrestling match. 
In the course of the wrestling match, Jacob becomes permanently injured. And it was because the stranger did not fight fair. I happen to know that because I used to be a wrestler. I know it's hard for you to believe that this morning, but uh, I did wrestle in college for a little while, and uh, I was not a very good wrestler, and there was never any idea that I might make a comeback. Um, so I won't talk much about my career, but I did learn the rules of wrestling. I think that's what I got out of it, was learning the rules. And one of the rules is that you're not allowed to punch or jab your opponent. That's only on television. That's uh, professional wrestling that, as you know, is, is phony. It's not real wrestling. The Bible story implies this rule when it says that when the stranger saw that he could not defeat Jacob, that is, he couldn't do it within the rules, he slugged him in the hip socket so that Jacob's hip was thrown out of joint. A low blow, in other words, it was against the rules. And after that, we're given this strange idea that the, the Jewish people after that never ate that part of the animal. You know, when they were having dinner, they never ate the, the hip joint because Jacob got wounded there. So what does all that mean? Well, it means a lot more than I understand, but for one thing, I think it means that this representative of God does not play fair, that whatever it takes to whip us, to make us be the people God wants us to be, God will do it. Rules are for people, rules are not for God. God makes the rules. We parents were often told by our children that things were not fair. And we probably said the same thing to our parents. Um, you know, it's not fair what the teacher did. It's not fair what happened on the playground, all those things. We all know that. And the children are right, aren't they? Life is not fair. Um, nature is not fair. God isn't fair from our perspective. If we look for our life to take place within certain well-defined parameters, we're in for a lot of disappointment and despair. Somewhere along the way, each of us will be slugged in the hip joint. When you get to be my age, most of us are limping around with something. Also, the story tells us we cannot contend with God without being hurt. The God of Israel, the God of the church, is not a spiritual lightweight. The Bible says it is an awesome thing to fall into the hands of Almighty God. 
Our Presbyterian ancestors, I think, were right in making as their symbol of the church a burning bush. A burning bush means take off your shoes. You're on holy ground. It means approach it carefully, for God is a fire. You might get your eyebrows singed or worse. Struggle with care, pray with care. Be awe-stricken before God. Do not take your faith lightly. When you wrestle with this God, like Jacob, you will walk away with a permanent limp. When we wrestle with God, when we tell God that we want God to be just to us, that's often our prayer, isn't it? Be just with me. Then God asks us to be just with our mate, with our children, with the poor, even with our enemies. You be just. Then there's a happy part of the story. Jacob received more than a limp from this struggle. Even after his hip was thrown out, Jacob kept fighting. And finally, the stranger said, look, this has been a lot of fun, but it's dawn and I have to be leaving. Turn me loose. But Jacob said, no way. I don't let you go until you give me a blessing. The stranger asked him, what is your name? He said, Jacob. Jacob in Hebrew means grabber cheater because he grabbed at his brother's heel as he came out of his mother's womb. He was called grabber, cheater. Well, the stranger said, you shall no longer be called Jacob, cheater. From now on, you will be called Yisrael the one who struggled against God and against his fellow men and, and, and won. And, of course, at this moment, the nation received its name, Israel. Jacob knows he's been blessed. He says, from now on, I will call this place Peniel, for I have seen the face of God here and I have survived. What a gracious God. God not only comes down to our level and lets us struggle with him, he even allows us to fight to a draw. And then he declares us the winner. Even though we know, like Jacob knew, he had only survived. For us Christians, Jesus is the stranger by the brook. 
God's messenger who comes down to our level, engages us in conflict, hurts us, sends us away with a broken heart. Which of us can look at Jesus on the cross and really look and not be changed? For in the cross, the Lord God gave his only son and declared himself to be the loser and declared us the winner. Who can look at that scene and not have our prideful, striving selves limp away? Which of us also who contends with Christ, who struggles against this strong and kindly stranger, will not also leave with a joyful heart a new name and a new purpose. After this event by the brook, a whole nation received a new name. Not Jacob's people, no longer cheaters, but Israelites, those who wrestle with God and humanity and win. We too have received a new name, Christians. Those who through Christ wrestle with God and humanity and survive. And according to the angel, we even win. Amen.